This is a Holy Baptist Church podcast, bringing you into a community in which everyone is welcome, lives are changing, and Jesus is King. Thanks for listening with us today. We would invite you to subscribe so you can keep up to date with us. But for now, we pray you enjoy listening for what God has in store for you in this episode, and that it helps change your life for the better, in Jesus' name. Enjoy. are changing Jesus is king these are sort of our vision statement as a church it picks up on who we are now or at least we hope we are but also it's something that we're continually striving for we want to be a place where everyone is welcome regardless of ethnicity sexuality gender whatever it is social status we want to be this a place where everyone is welcome we don't just give lip service the idea of people being welcome, but actually we make we remove every obstacle we possibly can that accidentally we can put between people and God. Um, lives are changing. That's what I'm going to be speaking on this morning. And then Jesus is King, and he's going to be speaking about that next week. And last week, as I said, uh, uh, I said Helen spoke about everyone's welcome. Everyone is welcome in the kingdom of God. The doors are flung open wide. God is there with arms open wide, wanting to welcome us in. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you have done or are currently doing or will do, because of Jesus, everyone has access to the kingdom of God. The only problem is you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision whether you're in or whether you're out, whether you're part of that kingdom, or whether you're not. And that choice has repercussions, and that repercussions is change. And that's what I want to pick up on this morning, this theme of change. Lives are changing. But before we go into that, I think it probably might be a good idea if I talk about a little bit about what the kingdom of God actually is. What is the kingdom of God? Now, according to my passports, I am a citizen of the British, I'm going to say empire there. It's um, of Great Britain. That'll do, not the British empire. I'm a, a citizen of Great Britain. And with that comes great privileges. I get to be English and stuff like that. And you get to have protection from the, our royal king, or in my passport, it's the queen, Um but also there are certain responsibilities. I looked up what are the responsibilities of being a British citizen. There aren't really any kind of ones that I've signed up to, because I never signed up to be a British citizen. I was just born into it. But there's loyalty. I can't be disloyal to the, to the crown. There's voting. You can see that as a, um, a privilege, but it's also a responsibility to help choose our governments. Um, jury duty. Who's done jury duty here? For, oh, not, not many. Oh, I've done it twice. That's really annoying. The <laughs> first time, it felt like, like a bit, bit of a privilege. The second time, it was a bit of a drag, really. But um, we get to do jewellery duty. Um, and also, we have the responsibility to live legally, not to go around breaking the law. Um, I, like I said, I was born in, to, into being a citizen of Great Britain, but actually, you can sign up to be a citizen. And um, you have to do a test these days. There's a test of... Um, 45 minutes, 24 questions taken from 3,000 facts about Great Britain. And you have to get 75% to pass. And I thought I'd test you on not on all the questions, but just some of the questions uh, this morning. So if we have that up. Oh, no, that's the wrong one. 
Here we go. Question, who built the Tower of London? You can put your hands up when I tell you to, sir. Was it William the Conqueror? Was it Queen Victoria? Was it Queen Elizabeth I? Or was it Oliver Cromwell? Hands up for William the Conqueror. Okay, it's a few of you. Hands up for Queen Victoria. Hands up for Queen Elizabeth I. Oliver Cromwell. Anyone not a clue? Okay. Uh, the answer was William the Conqueror. Most people knew that. That one's good. Okay. Next question. How often are Prime Minister's questions held in the parliaments? Okay, is it every day, every week, every two weeks, or once a month? Hand up for every day. This is when they, the MPs get to ask questions on behalf of their constituents. Every day, hands up. Every week? Every two weeks? Once a month? Cool, you guys are good. <laughs> every week? Yeah, there we go. You can tune in and watch it if you really want to. Um, who made the first coins to be minted in Britain? Was it the people of the Stone Age, the Anglo-Saxons, the people of the Iron Age, or the Romans? So who, who, were, who made the first coins? Was it hands up for Stone Age, people of the Stone Age? Anglo-Saxons? People of the Iron Age? Romans? Oh dear, you've just failed. <laughs> so people of the Iron Age. Okay. Couple of more questions. As a British citizen, which of the below is one of your responsibilities? One, to respect and obey the law. Two, to walk your dog only during the day. Three, to go to church on a Sunday. And four, to look after yourself and your family. Which one is it? For, to respect and obey the law? I've sort of already given this all away. Yeah, yeah, we know that one. It's definitely not walking your dog during the day. Unfortunately, it's not to go to church on a Sunday either. But well, we definitely would need a bigger building. Two more questions. Okay. And you thought that was easy? Here we go. Scotland and Wales use a system called individual registration where all those entitled to the vote must complete their own registration form. Is that true or is that false? False. We had a few people. Anyone think it's true? False. Good. I didn't know that. I don't know anything about Scotland. Are they part of Great Britain, yes they are. Um, here's another one about Scotland. This is the last one. Which court deals with the minor criminal offences in Scotland? Is it the Sheriff Court, the Magistrates Court, the Court, the Crown Court, or the Justice of Peace Court? Hands up for Sheriff Court. Hands up for Magistrates Court. Crown Court. Justice of Peace Court. I thought it was the first one. It's actually the Justice of Peace Court. Anyone, anyone get all those wrong? Danny, you are no longer a British citizen. You'll just fail the test. Oh, dear. <laughs> See, there is... Uh, the, we're British citizens. Some of us are born into it. Some of us take tests and, and come into it uh, later. And there are responsibilities and there are privileges to being a British citizen. But myself, as a follower of Jesus, I am a citizen of a kingdom which is far more important than Great Britain or any other country. A citizen of a kingdom which should be first and foremost in everything I do. And that is something called the kingdom of God. Um, in Matthew, he calls it the kingdom of heaven, which gives you maybe a clue of what it might be. Jesus, when he preached his 
preached and healed the sick. He was going around proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom of God. John, when he wrote his gospel about Jesus, saw Jesus' miracles as signs of the arrival of God's kingdom. And after Jesus had risen from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he spent time talking and teaching to his disciples, to his followers, about the kingdom of God. So what is it? Well, this is what a Brazilian theologian says about the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is where justice reigns, mercy is in place, love governs, life triumphs, and the feeling of God flourishes in people and in the whole of creation. Let me say that again. Let's just try and sink it in and imagine what that might look like. It's where justice reigns, mercy is in place, love governs, life triumphs, and the feeling of God flourishes in people and in the whole of creation. In other words, the kingdom of God is where we feel and experience God, Jesus's kingship, and his reign and his influence and his effects. Now, the Bible talks about two things. It talks about something we use the phrase now and not yet. Put your hand up. Put your hand up. We've heard that phrase in terms of God's kingdom now and not yet. In other words, it's saying there will be a time when Jesus returns and it will be big and it will be obvious and every knee will bow and everyone will acknowledge that Jesus is king and God's kingdom will come in its, in its fullness. And there will be no more weeping. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death. That's what we're looking forward to. But actually, we can experience something of that in the here and now. And that when we become a follower of Jesus, we become not a citizen of heaven when we die, but a citizen of God's kingdom, a citizen of heaven now in our present reality. And God can break through in miraculous ways into the here and now. And we can see healings. We can see people free from addictions. We can see our lives change. We can see our circumstances change. But also we can find ourselves change as well. In some ways, it's a great thing. But in other ways, that could be a bit of a stumbling block to people following Jesus, this idea of change. Because the reality is, whether we admit it or not, we all need to change. There are all things about us that need to be improved or changed somewhat. None of us are perfect. Now, I'm the sort of person that I'm constantly evaluating myself and finding things I need to change. That's just the way I am. Some of you are the complete opposite. You think, well, I'm perfect. I don't need to change at all. I don't, I'm not asking you to put your hand up which one you are. But the reality is, regardless of which one we are, we all need to change. But when we don't like change is when change is imposed upon us. Or someone tells us, you need to change this about yourself. And unfortunately, we've got this circumstance where Christianity has seen that change is, is almost like a threat to people. If you ever work with teenagers in church, which I used to do, I was, used to do youth work when I was in my early 20s. That's what they do when you join a church in your 20s. You have to do youth work. You find for a lot of youth, if you talk to them, the thing that puts them off about following Jesus is the fact that they're going to have to change. 
They maybe aren't allowed to hang out with the friends they used to hang out with, or maybe go and get drunk every weekend like they want to, or do all the things that all their friends are doing, and they feel like Christianity is imposing chains upon them. That's what teenagers like. That's what we're all like. I was chatting to a minister on Thursday, and he used to be a youth worker, and he ran a football club for his youth. There's one guy who was amazing at football, like one of the best footballer he'd seen. And this guy got, got picked, selected to go and play for, I think it was Blackburn. I can't remember. The, it, was a, it was a team anyway. Uh, and he went and joined their youth team, and he was doing really well. Amazing footballer. But, he, but one day he turned up back at the church again, and the, youth, the minister said, yeah, why are you here? Why aren't you at the team? He said, well, I've been chucked out. Like, oh, what's happened there? Why have you been chucked out? Well, I got called into the, uh, the manager's office. He says, you're doing great. You're a great footballer. Really, really good. But if you want to make it in this game, you're going to have to give up smoking. And the young man said to the minister, and I thought about it, I thought, I don't want to give up smoking, so I quit. He gave up his dream of being a footballer because he didn't want to have to change. He didn't want to give up smoking. And what's true for teenagers is true for so many of us. We don't like being told what to do. And we don't like change being imposed upon us. And that's the weird thing, because actually becoming a follower of Jesus does change us. But what it does, rather than putting chains on us, it removes chains from us. So we can flourish and we can be the person that God has designed us and called us to be. We can be more ourselves than we ever have been. That's what the change is. So you, to become a citizen of, of, of God's kingdom is to make Jesus king. I'm not going to go into that a huge amount of detail because that's Andy's talk next week. And it will change you, but it will change you for the better and help you to flourish and be the best person you can be. Because it requires repentance. It requires us recognizing that we need to change and we have done things wrong. It requires us making Jesus king of our life. And that's what we saw in those baptisms the other week. People have made a decision. And made a choice. And what we see enacted in that baptism, I said earlier, is us dying to our old self or being free to live a new life. And that's why baptism is so important because a choice made in secret is great, but a choice claimed to the whole church, to your friends and family, that makes a huge difference. And it claims, it states, I am a citizen of God's kingdom. And for me, and for the Bible as well, the litmus test, the citizenship test for whether or not you truly are a citizen of God's kingdom is change. Is there change in your life? Now, that change may be dramatic and sudden, or it may take a long time. It may be something that you as a, as a person may not notice, but actually your friends and family around you do notice that change. For me, I was sharing with Thursday Group on Thursday, the the change that I have had through my life where I believe God has changed me so I can do this job that I am doing now. There was no way I could have done this 20, 30 years ago. Well, I would have been 14. That's a bit young to lead a church. But um, it took a long time, and I messed up significantly on the way. But there's this process of change. I can look back and see where God has changed me. But for others of you, it's going to be very quick, very sudden. I'm going to share with you two stories. One is one from the Bible, and one is Brenda's going to come and share just briefly her story 
of change uh, with us. Well, we're going to look at a guy called Paul or Saul. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. And because he worked a lot with Greeks, he uses his name Paul most of the time. He wrote a lot of the letters in the New Testament. And we're going to turn to one of those letters written to the church in Galatia. And it's Galatians. And we're going to read chapter 1 and verses 11 to 17. And the words will appear on the screen. But Galatians, it goes uh, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. Just to set the con... Oh, there we go. Thank you, um, Rob. To set the context of this, Paul has been accused by people of creating, making up a gospel, the good news of, God, of Jesus' kingdom, making it up, making up an easy version of Judaism, because Jews follow strict rules and guidelines. If you were male, you became a Jew, you had to be circumcised, which is going to put most people off. And, and they get, Paul gets accused of kind of conniving with the apostles as disciples of Jesus to come up with something easier. And Paul's argument is, no, I didn't. The reason I can't with this gospel is because I was transformed, I was changed because I met Jesus. This is what it says in verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel, the good news I preach, is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Now, this is a bit confusing because, um, as far as we know, Paul didn't meet Jesus when he was going around doing his ministry. So Paul goes on to explain, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism, Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So we got Paul, or Saul, using his Hebrew name. He was, doing, he, he was intellectually just above his peers. He was doing amazingly well. He was on the up in terms of the Jewish authorities. He was zealous for the traditions that he'd been raised in. He was strict in adherence to the law. He was what we would call a Pharisee. Who, who just searched through scriptures and looked at how do I apply this to my life now? How do I follow all the rules and the regulations so I can be the best person I can be? And he looked at these Jesus followers that followed a Jew called Jesus that died the death of a criminal and a rebel who went against all of the biblical teachings, at least it seemed that way to him as a Pharisee. He looked at that heresy, that blasphemy, and decided he needed to wipe out what they called the way, the followers of Jesus. So he got permission from the chief priests to go out to find these followers of Jesus, to arrest them, and where possible to execute them as well. And actually the first time we come across Paul, Saul, in Acts, is he's there approving the stoning to death, the mob violence of a guy called Stephen, who's one of the first leaders of the church, who proclaimed the gospel of Jesus and was killed for him. We're told that Saul looked upon it, looked after the coats of the guys throwing the stones and approved of it. And he got permission to go off and go and find these Christians, uh, these followers of Jesus. And on the way, something happens. And this is what we're going to talk about. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased. So he's saying God had a plan for me that, that was beyond what I was 
planning for myself, to reveal his son in me so I might preach him among the Gentiles. So God reveals Jesus to him. And what we have, we can read about this in Acts chapter 9. Saul is on the way to persecute these Christians and he's on the way to Damascus and this bright light comes in front of him and he falls off his horse. He's struck down onto the floor and he hears his voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He's like, who are you? He says, it's Jesus. You are persecuting me. Saul, you need to go to the city. You need to wait there. And Saul finds that he can't see anymore. He's completely blind. He's completely just taken out. And he's, he's, the guards that he's got have taken to this, this town. And this follower of Jesus called Ananias gets told by God to go to Paul, to pray for him. When Paul is, is prayed for, his sight is restored. And amazingly, he is baptized. He becomes a follower of Jesus, that person he hated, that person he was persecuted, that person he met on the road to Damascus. And it says, at once, he went into the temples, he went into the synagogues and started preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a huge, massive transformation where Paul becomes, like it says in verse 15, the person that God had called him to be in the first place even if it meant changing his direction completely. That was 2,000 years ago. Can this happen now? I'm going to ask Brenda to come up. And I just want to chat to her briefly about some changes that happened to her life. Come up onto the stage. I don't share my stage with many people. But um, Brenda, you are very welcome to come and share this. Do you want to hold this or do you want me to hold it for you? <laughs> don't worry we're all friends here so brenda you do you want to say a little bit because we're going to talk about your baptism right and um, but you obviously your baptism you made a decision to follow jesus you've been going to church for a while do you want to just say a little bit about that okay so um well you're taking the microphone yeah, now, now. <laughs> so, uh, nick and i went to an alpha course and uh, at the end of that alpha course um i decided i wanted to be baptized so I rung the pastor and I said, but I don't any fuss. I don't want that standing up the front. People just me, can we go to Littlehampton now and do it? And he said, sorry, Bren, you can't, it doesn't work like that. So I was baptised. Just before I was baptised, we had a meeting with Pastor John at Rygate Baptist Church. And he said, whatever happens to you, Brenda, your life will change with your baptism. So there I was on the morning of the 18th of May. I dived in the pool with everybody else. They came out smiling, laughing. I came out and thought, oh, that was a bit of a waste of time. There were no red lights. There was no angels. And I just felt completely flat. So that Because was what was going on in your, in your life at that time that maybe was hidden? Oh, but... Okay, so what Pastor John and the rest of the church didn't know is that I'm an alcoholic. Or I suppose you could say alcohol dependent. And um, it was ruining my life. Um, Nick had tried to persuade me so many times to pack it up. But like you were saying, when somebody tells you what to do, you do the complete opposite. Um, my health was being ruined and uh, my marriage was failing. And uh, everything around me basically was falling apart. But I couldn't stop. So, But this was so far away from my mind when I went to be baptised. So baptism was a bit of disappointment. You didn't get the change, the, the Damascus experience that Paul had. You expecting that and it didn't happen. 
But what happened afterwards? Um, so I was extremely drunk at my baptism party, having down at least two bottles of champagne, if not a bit more. Um, Monday came and went the same. Um, and I started to be, I thought was clever, but clearly I never pulled the wool over Nick's eyes. The same bottle of wine in the fridge, the same third missing. So when he came home from work, he thought, oh, well, that's all she's had to drink. Well, clearly he didn't because he knew I'd already drunk that one and already started on the next one. Um, Tuesday morning, I sat up in bed and by the side of my bed, purely as a token gesture, I have to say, because I never picked it up, was my Bible. And in that, I remembered the story of Jesus going into the desert and he stopped eating and drinking and everything else and praying for 40 days and 40 nights. I thought, you know what, I'm not him, but maybe, just maybe, if I have a go, I will be able, With now I've been baptised, hey, full of the Holy Spirit, yeah, get that, I will probably be able to do it. And I did. Mm. So I didn't drink again. Again, how long ago was that? Eight years. Eight years. Well, nine this May. Yeah. No, please, please don't clap because this isn't me. This was Jesus did it. But I have to say that without Nick's support, it would have been very, very hard. He said, I'm really sorry, but juicers don't have enough sand to fill up the back garden to make it look like a desert so you can wander up and down. <laughs> but he gave up drinking as well. So it was his support and that was amazing so it's a mixture of that that miraculous intervention yeah. in your life but also you doing things practically with the support and help yeah. of your friends and family in order to keep oh, that up so it's not, no because i know that your family actually made it more difficult, difficult. Yes. And there were many temptations and people not necessarily celebrating this change in your life no but and you're stuck with it yes and the celebration came from people who were completely outside of my Christian world. Girls that I used to go partying with, we used to meet at Le Mans. When I told them I'd stopped drinking, they were horrified. How did you manage to do that? And I thought, oh, not only have I stopped drinking, I've now got to tell them I've become some religious freak. <laughs> um, so I said, well, actually, Jesus helped me. I was baptized. And they just cried. Mm. So, and I hope maybe it would help somebody else's story. Yeah, thank you, Brenda. Give Brenda a clap. <laughs> and Brenda's been helping with the Alpha course and you know the change that happened to her, she wants to see that change happen with others as well. Because the reality is when God's kingdom breaks through into your life, into your circumstances, it brings change. And like I said, that change may be sudden, it may be slow, it may be incremental, it may be you're expecting it and it catches you unawares a few days later. But if you are willing to welcome Jesus into your life, and Andy's going to be talking more about this next week, so I'm not going to really dwell on this. If you're willing to make Jesus king in your life, if you're willing to make that choice, to step into citizen of, citizenship of God's kingdom if you're willing to say lord god i'm not in control and i'm scared but I'm, i need to be changed then that's when god's kingdom can perform miraculous things so as i conclude as we finish now just a few things just as reminders all are welcome into the kingdom of god all are welcome 
into the kingdom of God. It's where God's reign is felt. It's where God's reign is experienced. And you can be a citizen of God's kingdom. But it requires a choice on your part and it will bring change. We're going to spend some time with some questions in a moment. But I want, uh, actually, yeah, with the questions, and I'll, I'll do a little bit of response afterwards and just encourage you um, if you want some prayer. So let's just spend some time listening to the questions. <laughs> Are there things in your life that need to change? Are you open to change or fearful of it? Has the idea of change become a stumbling block to you? Are you ready to say yes to Jesus and accept the change that will bring? was today's episode of holy baptist church podcast we hope it's prompted you to want to follow jesus hopefully a lot but even just a little bit more closely if you have any questions about what you've heard in today's episode or you want to know more about what it means to follow jesus you can email us gotquestions at holybaptist.org.uk we'd love to hear from you it would really make our day if you want to hear more from us just a reminder you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you can download the holy baptist church app from the apple app store or google play to hear it as well simply search holy baptist church Thank you again for listening to Holy Baptist Church Podcast. We pray God will bless you and we'll see you next time.